0: I am ku monkey. I am a monkey.
1: I am a monkey. I am a
0: The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International.
2: Hello, and thanks for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Emma Banak bringing you 50 minutes of English language features. Up ahead in today's program, we have Behind the Beats, which is more of me uh, talking about some great music in Taiwan. This episode will be featuring Decca Joins. But first, we begin with Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Emma Banak, and I'm joined now in the studio by Shirley Lin. Hi there! Today, we're going to take a look at some Taiwanese skateboarders who want recognition for their cool tricks. We're also going to take a look at a story about how some cats and dogs have brought some good luck to people who have bought Taiwanese scratch cards. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about an artist who has done some great work restoring some deity statues in Taiwan. All that coming up next. Okay, Shirley, so before we get started talking about uh, today's topics, I wanted to talk a little bit about being back for the new year. We just had kind of a week off to relax a bit. Uh, Did you do anything
1: enjoyable during your time off? Just eating a lot, I guess. <laughs> Did you cook a lot, or were you going out to restaurants uh, no. more? yeah, I know I wasn't cooking uh, even on Chinese New Year's Eve. It was my mother-in-law who cooked, but we didn't. We made sure she didn't do all the cooking for all mm-hmm. the dishes because actually, it's the first time we had so few people at Chinese New Year's Eve dinner because um, one of my daughters in China in Shanghai, the other one got married, so she's at her in-laws, and then, and so there were only just my in-laws, my husband and I, and my son. Mm-hmm. Five of us. <laughs> it was kind of lonely. But um, we ordered part of the food that's like pre-packaged, the uh-huh. pre-prepared food, pre-prepared. Yeah. And so heat those up and everything. But um, yeah. And then the next day, well, it's, it's very non-traditional. But um, what we've been doing for several years now is that my in-laws uh, and, and, you know, my husband and I and our kids. Um, along with um, my daughter's uh, in-laws mm-hmm. uh, we would go um, tomb sweeping on Chu Yi, the first day oh, of really? Lunar Calendar just to avoid the crowds during the actual tomb sweeping oh, in April Oh, I see mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been a tradition for a couple of years now and then afterwards we would eat together in the final restaurant mm-hmm. so we feasted some more, you know, the next day and yeah. <laughs> it was good food and then, and then so Er, second day I mean, I do go home to my parents although we eat out you know, my mom doesn't cook. Yeah, we've always picked a restaurant. My my dad, my dad always picked a restaurant. And non traditional is that uh, my dad has included my in laws in that dinner.
2: Oh, that's so nice. I know. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think ever since we've been, you know, we've got uh, that I've gotten married. So, um, so that's been really sweet. So again, a lot of food. <laughs> uh, what did I do in Tucson? Oh, on the third day, we had some friends who wanted to like pay New Year, you know, greetings like respect to. What are they? Just pay visit. Yeah, New mm-hmm. Year's per- visit to my in-laws. So we had more food at my in-laws, you know. But this time was a lot more festive. I mean, it was a lot mer- merrier because mm-hmm. there were like 12 of us. Ooh, nice. And I was in a great mood. I was talking a lot. You know, <laughs> I was like, it was just really, you know, very happy kind of occasion. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law was too. She was just so glad. They would so all these people. She said, I like this, you know, oh. with so many people. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of eating over the holidays, yeah. I would say.
2: Yeah. Do you have any favorite dishes that you got to eat?
1: Um. Okay. Uh, one of the ones that we actually ordered pre, 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 pre like what do you call it, prepared food, mm-hmm. was actually not bad. Was um, uh, what did it call it? Steamed glutinous rice Ooh. with um sakura shrimp, like dried sakura uh-huh. shrimp, that made all the difference. It's just so fragrant and really yummy. So yeah. when you
2: say glutinous rice,
1: was it wrapped up Zicky. like its own? Oh, no 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 or? no! It was like a whole you know full oh, and, okay, and okay. yeah, was just heated up, mm-hmm. and it was just as good it was yeah really yeah i know it is the same kind of you know thing that you would find in zhongzi, uh, these mm-hmm. rice dumplings really it's the same idea sticky rice and everything It's so fattening but, but <laughs> i love them you know actually they're available all year round pretty mm-hmm. much do i mean you can yeah. still find them you know but anyway yeah that's the stuff i like oh so nice. that was nice what about yeah. you
2: uh well in terms of delicious food that i had <laughs> i feel like there's a lot to choose from as well but i think probably the most special for me was going out to dinner at a Colombian restaurant on oh. maybe it was Saturday night. Yeah. There's In Taipei? Uh it was in Taoyuan. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So Columbia. it uh yeah, it was delicious. It's the second time that I've been there and also I guess the second time in my life that I've ever had Colombian food.
1: What is Colombian food?
2: Um, what's special about it? Let's see, what do we have? Um, well, you know, Colombia there's uh, you know, People who live more in the mountainous regions, or people who live closer to the coast. So I guess it kind of defers if uh-huh. you're going to be eating more seafood or oh, okay. not. Um, but because I'm a pescatarian, I wasn't really eating so much of the meat dishes. Uh, but I had some really good trout. Uh, okay. That was really delicious. Um, some are they done a special way?
1: From um, what you're familiar with, like the the way Chinese people or Taiwanese people cook, um, or I don't know. Let's see. When I I'm curious. when
2: I had it, it was with lots of garlic and cilantro okay. and steamed uh, or grilled it, it was I guess like grilled, grilled. yeah oh. um, and then oh. also had plantains those are really okay. good um, fish head soup oh. uh, which I did not eat the head um, <laughs> okay. but the soup itself was really good it's supposed and, to bring you good luck if you eat the fish head <laughs> uh, that's what I hear but I think it's just something that parents come up with to get their kids to eat food they don't want to eat <laughs> And that's what you think. Yeah. And then there were arepas, which are really good. Apparently they have uh, like most countries, I guess, in Latin America have their own version of arepas. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So it's kind of this bread made from corn flour. And it's kind of like a pancake. And these ones had cheese and Um, also like not ground up corn, like uh, corn kernels in it as well. And it was so delicious. Um, My friend is Colombian and he really loved them. Uh, He was like, oh, this is better than some of the things you can get like actually in Colombia. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what else? Then Uh, He had some empanadas and this sort of blood sausage, which I thought was kind of interesting because it's like a rice sausage, kind of like how we have in Taiwan as well. But I guess this was like a Colombian take on it. Okay. And yeah, just lots of really good food like that. And then um, more traditional, I guess, Taiwanese food is that I have this noodle restaurant that I really like in Taipei. It's like a small little restaurant in this basement and... um, They make uh, hand shaved noodles with um, there's I mean, there's you can get them as beef noodles, but I always like getting them as cold sesame noodles. And Uh those are my favorite. I've taken I guess everyone in my family has been there at some point. (laughs) Uh, It's like nothing fancy, but it's really, really good. So Mm. I'm glad I got to have that because, yeah, I don't remember the last time I got it. Oh, (laughs) wow.
1: okay, Yeah. Hi. yeah New Year's is good and I also got to oh. go to Ciliocho
2: so
0: that yeah. was fun as
1: well and you got nice weather there that's great-hmm So
2: um, I wanted to also ask about uh, I want to know more about this story Of the Taiwan skateboarders What's going on with
1: them? Yeah Okay, so um, basically the skateboarding scene Really needs like official promotion And corporate sponsorship To fully grow into professional sport According to the local skateboarders And there's one celebrity skateboarder in Taiwan Called Kyle Ke And he's 28 And he says that public interest in the sport Has increased since its debut at the Tokyo Olympics last summer. Oh, really? So Yeah. And so then more opportunities exist today than when he started skateboarding two decades ago, which meant that he started eight. I mean, (laughs) I feel like a lot of kids get into it at a pretty young
2: age. And then, I mean, obviously there's some that they don't really stick with it. You know, they just kind of do their thing. You do their thing. But yeah. uh, I always find it interesting like what separates the kids from the ones who are just fooling around with it to those who are really going to really want to try
1: to oh. take it to a professional level. Okay. Well, the thing with him is that he started first in roller skating. And then boarding just thought, well, I'll just do it for fun. But then before he realized, he actually was really good at it. Mm-hmm. And then um, since going professional, he took part in skateboarding events all over the world. And so now he thinks that really, you know, it needs more promotion here in Taiwan. So even though skateboarding is really more keen on winning when you, you know, enter an event, uh, a competition, but it's the spirit of community and learning from one another. Which is especially true at the Florida-based Tampa Pro. I don't know if you've heard of that. It must be big. But anyway, he said that there were DJs playing live music, there were graffiti artists and playful games that were worked into the event. But all of them had a passion to skateboarding. So he thinks that um, actually he made a video. He made a YouTube video. Um, it was his intention to kind of promote this in Taiwan, and um, you know, and to discover just. You know things that are missing from the local scene, and he was asked to comment on Japan's performance in the games. Where did Japan um, skateboarders? They won two gold medals. It's like you know, <laughs> and then um, you know at the home on the home. Yeah, <laughs> I see why they wanted to include it in the game, right? show off their skills. <laughs> so, But um, the, th- the fact that there are a lack of skate parks here in Taiwan and resources, that uh, it really hampers Taiwanese athletes from training, getting trained. And, you know, I, this made me think of, I, I know that you and I both visited the Museum of Failure over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, we were off you, by just one day. <laughs> yeah. And then do, do you recall there was one that's like a rollerblade on grass? Oh, and yeah, I
2: think it was supposed to be f- to help for people ha-
1: skiing. Skiing, was it? Yeah, I think it was skiing. You're, you're right. Mm. I was. Th- I thought it was ski- sp- speed skating, but I, okay, I think it was skiing. But, you know, of course, we don't have ski slopes here. And then, you know, well, I mean, not only here, but, you know, at back then, people, when they wanted to get trained for skiing, they invented this thing. It was really clumsy and yellowish, like sort of like looking the look at tracks on y- tanks, the yeah, military yeah, tracks. yeah, exactly. Tanks, but people were like getting hurt, getting injured, and so dangerous. So it got off the market. But that reminded me of, this you know it's like we lack those kind of practice venues here in taiwan lack of you know resources and you know equipment and everything so but i think kyle really wants to make it big here in taiwan now the thing is that now you were saying i mean some people you know you you really you you don't know what it is about the sport because some people kind of like put their own element into it Mm -hmm. that's the thing because when it comes to um competition sometimes they get extra points for like a personal touch in tricks, in fashion even, and even in the music that they use for, you know, their competition. Oh. I didn't realize that there's music involved, but I guess yeah, that it adds points. Yeah, to be honest, points. I've never seen a skateboarding competition. Yes <laughs> yeah, same here. I know. So um, boarders are actually known for wearing clothes torn up from the falls or, you know, when they, you know, hard knocks on the ramp and things like that. And so actually some big brands, uh, fashion brands, notice that. So they're coming out with like, these skateboarders outfit, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I, I just think that the sport is so dangerous, you know, I mean, when they try to do it, like off the ramps, you know, the railings, mm-hmm. that is so dangerous. But the thing is that there is one girl, six year old, she's a skateboarder, and um, she was once, you know, got injured and was removed by a stretcher, you know, right oh. at the, in the competition event. Her mom supports her totally, despite the danger you know Mm -hmm. that and she was saying like you know people have a stereotype thinking that it's only a sport for delinquents but it's she said it's absolutely untrue Mm -hmm. well coming from a mom right I think I'm sure Mm -hmm. that her daughter's very happy about that yeah
2: that's great I really love seeing girls getting into sports that are more male dominated and okay yeah also showing that I don't know I I feel like I understand people saying oh like I feel like it's something that's just for delinquents I don't Mm. know I feel like that's sometimes how maybe the media portrays it but yeah that's true yeah like what
1: what makes it different from any other sport yeah that is true so anyway I'll never get into it (laughs) I I still think it's a dangerous event um um, sport I mean the thing is that you have to learn how to fall properly you really do have to Mm -hmm. put that into your practice you know And um, so that so it's definitely a a sort of an extreme sport to me. Yeah, especially
2: because I feel like, you know, when you see
1: average people just practicing, you don't see too many of them wearing helmets. So, um. oh, yeah, that too. Right. Oh, yeah. There's Kyle with a picture of Kyle here, not wearing a helmet either. (laughs) And he's like running off this um, railing. Uh, They call (laughs) it Oli. ollie. Oli. Oh, okay, Whatever that is. At, at, at a Zhonghua post office oh wow. <laughs> outside <laughs> yeah. so ugh. anyway well if it's good for young people and it's great I mean you know how it is when sometimes kids just not really into studies I mean you can't you know kind of like refrain them from doing things that are outside of academics you know mm-hmm. because if that's their talent you know you should really try to promote it not only promote but encourage it and things like that so if that's the case with kids right? So Yeah, I mean, I guess like in Taiwan, there are so many
2: role models that parents, uh, you know, give to their children saying, oh, like this person was brilliant in school. But, you know, if there are more visible Mm. role models in sports areas
1: like in skateboarding, then who knows? We could have a new generation of skateboarders in Taiwan. Right. You know what? It's funny because I know I'm really envious of some kids actually in our church who are really great at academics and great at sports, too. I mm-hmm. think that's 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 awesome. The ultimate
2: <laughs> combination. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, and
2: so for our next story, I saw this and I was very excited because I'm a huge dog lover and I think it's pretty cool that dogs and also cats seem to be bringing people some good luck in the new year. I know there's a year of the dog, but there's not a year of the cat. The only thing yeah. is though tigers, I guess, are in the cat family. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so I guess we could say maybe there's some sort of relation there. But anyway, a man in Taipei City and a woman in Pingdong County recently each won one million NT dollars, which is about thirty six thousand us dollars on a scratch card prize. Wow, So that's pretty cool. And the even more interesting part about it is that uh, some people believe that there were some pets that had to do with them winning so oh, basically wow. yeah <laughs> um i don't know like i guess it might be based on whether you believe in these sort of superstitions but um so the first store there was a there's a cat um that i guess belonged to to the store and the cat's name is uh jiao tai which is i guess oh, kind of like, you know, like fortune, fortune. Yeah. exactly and so um Basically, they the store has this cat here to, you know, bring good fortune or at least have customers believe that they're coming to a store that has good right. fortune. And some customers will, like, come and they'll especially pet the cat, the cat before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, with this woman in the store who won money, uh, she was, like, petting the cat and then she ended up winning a million dollars. So. <laughs> that was pretty cool i'm gonna be honest i'm not a huge cat fan but i think if i knew that cat like being near this cat would win me that much money i would i would go over and pet it as well <laughs> well
1: i'm sure emma you're not as superstitious as, as most as some Taiwanese people mm-hmm. Taiwanese people can really get into the superstition kind of thing so but um yeah it, it it's really it it really is you know like it's crazy yeah like but, i mean um, i saw
2: the the lines outside so many uh lottery oh, stores yeah. over the new year break did you buy any lottery tickets no, no.
1: <laughs> i'm not into that yeah. i'm more into food
2: <laughs> yeah i i haven't bought any lottery tickets here in taiwan but oh you did i i i, I in haven't uh, in the u.s i don't think i've bought any myself but like maybe oh. I don't know, for Easter, something like a relative might give me a ticket just as, I don't uh, know, just okay. like a little something. Yeah, um, But I actually did win something in a lottery this week without like purposely entering it. I got like a little email. Um, so like sometimes I'll use like rental scooters or something and yeah. like you pay each time. And they emailed me and said that my receipt had won something in the lottery. I mean, it was only 500 US... uh, Not US, (laughs) 500 NT dollars. Yeah, which is less than 20 bucks. Uh, But uh, I was happy to have that. I was like, oh, Year of the Tiger is treating me well so far. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, It wasn't as good luck as this other woman who... This was in Pingdong County. She... um, There was a black dog in this... um, the store? store yeah exactly and it was kind of the same thing as the cat where people like to pet the dog and you know just kind of believe that he's related to good luck and uh, yeah she ended up winning a million dollars as well uh, the cool thing about this uh, dog though uh, was that it actually wasn't the store's pet he just had kind of started hanging out there uh, for the past few days oh. so maybe he was just waiting to bestow this good luck upon somebody <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, that's funny because usually Taiwanese people think that anything black colored is not good luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, it's not only just in Taiwan. I'm sure, I mean, all around, even in the West, I think yeah. they think that something about a black cat walking on the ladder yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so anyway, so I'm really, this is really interesting. I guess they don't have that here in Taiwan. I mean... You know, if you see a black dog, they probably give it a a name, something like Little Black, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it's a white, you know, Little White or something. Yeah. 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 But um, that is so funny.
2: Yeah. So maybe more people will be buying or adopting dogs and cats if they think (laughs) that they'll be bringing them good look like this. all right and so for what i believe will be our last story for today um you were saying that there was an artist who's been restoring these deity statues what's going on with that
1: yeah you know this guy um his name is jimming Mingwei. he's 52 this year but uh he was really not someone into academics like he just really didn't like studying Mm -hmm. and one time um his mom brought him to a, a a temple and then just said, "Hey, why don't you just learn about you know restore art statue restoration from the owner in the store?" And so he did, and he's been <clears throat> he followed the um, he followed the uh, the you know the the boss for three years. And the first statue he restored on his own was uh, a Taoist deity that he bought himself mm-hmm. at, um, from Zhanghua um, County. He said that the face of the statue was eaten by moths and I, he worked on it for two months and he was really pleased with you know the result and since then he got really immersed in the art and 30 years have gone by for him oh, wow. in this art. He um, has actually gotten some, uh, some recognition um, let me get this here. Oh, he got a plaque from a temple that named him the God of Healing. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 and he also got a reward from, the, uh, an award, sorry, from the new Taipei city government for his contribution to the preservation of intangible culture. He's has restored more than 10,000 statues. You know, these statues all over the past 30 years at different temples throughout um, Taiwan. Um, there was, you know, there's the Lin Family mansion oh, and yeah, garden. Oh yeah, heard about
2: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he was um, stationed there uh, for a couple of years. Yeah, restoring everything uh, in in on the property, and and so I'm guessing it's not just only statues. So mm-hmm. he's being able to you know from the learning of restoring statues, they can restore other stuff. Now the trick is is that that you have to try restore it such that it looks like it's still old, like back from those days. You can't can't you know restore it and make it look new i mean you have to really be able to show still the traces of the years that it's been through Mm -hmm. that must be hard and it says that you cannot innovate you have to really follow the footsteps of the older you know artists that came before you now this is really interesting because i think there's a lot about talking about innovation these days especially in taipei Mm -hmm. if you come with new ideas that's the thing to go but in this case it seems like no you, you can't innovate you can you know try to think of innovative ways you have to really be able to restore that means you have to first understand the art and the culture and the times when this was built and things like that i don't know i'm just thinking yeah
2: no i I think that's interesting as well like when if you have you know big uh famous paintings that need to be restored because Mm -hmm. they were made hundreds of years ago everyone's going to remember like who did that actual painting you know like da vinci or right. or something like that and people aren't going to remember like who restored it even though they're the reason that you can even still look at that painting today i yeah. mean the, the mark that they have even done a really good job is that you don't even realize that they ended up doing any work on it you know mm. um yeah so yeah i i mean it's good that he's receiving some recognition because i imagine that's
1: kind of rare in that sort of field it is in fact, he said that this art is, has been declining since the 90s. And that's because China began mass producing statues uh, and restoring them mm-hmm. at very low cost. And so in the time when it would take a Tommy's artist to restore one statue. China could make ten to twenty replacement statues. Oh, so they so wouldn't restore the old statues; they would just get it rid of them. It looks that way. <laughs> I know. So lots of times, artists have moved on to other fields because of uh-huh. this. Yeah. But him at fifty-two, he's willing to just keep at it and keep this, you know, um, this art form, con- you know, on onward. I think it's not easy. It, it takes a lot of um, determination, I would say. But yeah. I guess that you know there's nothing i mean i there's no turning back for him because he's been at this art so long he's what he mastered it and he's loving it and he's doing such a good job and you know eventually anything that we have on display now and design here is going to go grow old in 5 to 10 years and someone's going to like him be restoring those kind of stuff right it makes yeah, sense yeah. yeah
2: well hopefully he uh, like him getting recognition just sort of like this skateboard is going yeah. to encourage yeah. more people to Uh, Think about these things that maybe aren't always in the media's eye or just, you know, we aren't, we don't necessarily consider as possible career choices. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're super important if we want to preserve history um, and these beautiful artworks. Yeah. Yeah, Otherwise they're going to disappear and get replaced with... uh, uh, robots? No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I hope not. Uh,
1: or, or statues made of plastic? Oh, yeah, no, made of plastic. <laughs> made
2: of styrofoam or something like oh, that. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't come to that. No way. Yeah. Anyway, that is going to be it for today on this episode of Here in Taiwan. I'm Emma Banak. And I'm Shirley Lynn. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for hearing my episode of Behind the Beats. Bye. Bye. and you're here for another episode of Behind the Beats. Now, this week is a continuation of last week's exploration into the music of Deca Joins. A quick recap introduction about Deca Joins is that they formed at the Taipei National University of the Arts. The name Deca Joins comes from sort of a combination of decadent and decaffeination joining together. Uh, that's the best explanation I can give you, I'm afraid. <laughs> they're known for developing their work while they're performing in concerts. So a lot of times the band, when they were performing, they would be performing songs that hadn't even been released yet. Or there was an official recording of it because as they were performing live, that was when they would play around with things until they eventually arrived at the finished version that they wanted to record which i think is pretty cool because i think a lot of bands and artists they kind of go about it the opposite way like they work on it they work on it on their own they're recording it finally they get to the finished polished version and they release it and that's when they start playing it for crowds around the world Decca joins does things a little differently and i appreciate that it's not just me that appreciates their work though they've also been nominated for a golden melody award for best music video and that was for their single, Go Slow. Their music is kind of a mix of lo-fi, grunge, chill vibes in my opinion but a lot has happened to Joints within the past two years just like basically everyone else in the world they've been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact has been especially noticeable because like I was saying before Joints is the kind of band that really relies a lot on live performances to be able to develop their songs. I'm always excited when I hear about Taiwanese bands that are making it into the American market. Deca Joins was actually planning on performing at an American music festival called South by Southwest, but due to the pandemic, this was canceled. I'm really hoping that uh, once things start getting back to normal or as close to normal as they can be, that Deca Joins has this opportunity again to really showcase their music to fans across the U.S. Missing out on this festival really hit the band hard. I mean, I've never been to this festival, South by Southwest, but it's clearly no small event. It's one of the major music festivals in the world because it typically lasts for about 10 days and features over 2,000 musical acts. That's right, 2,000. It's not just an opportunity for bands to perform and interact with their fans, but they can also interact with other artists and there's a ton of other exhibits at this festival. It's also a place for people to showcase their films or tech startups, and it's just a really interesting opportunity to collaborate with lots of artistic minds. I'm going to start us off with a nice short song by Decca Joints. This song is called Somewhere. It's just instrumentals, but I think it has a nice horn and blues kind of feel i'm a big john mayer fan and i feel like in some way this song somewhere reminds me of some of his songs i don't know if there are any other john mayer fans out there listening but take a listen to somewhere and see what you think of the instrumentals Okay, so that was the song Somewhere, clearly I have no need to explain what the lyrics mean because there are none. Anyway, back to Decca Joins. The pandemic cancelling a lot of their scheduled performances caused them to lose a lot, obviously. It wasn't just losing a lot of their income and promotion opportunities, they also felt like they were losing the chance to really develop their music in front of a live audience. However, obviously the pandemic is out of anyone's control. So the band decided to take this time that they had to really focus on themselves and making new music for the band. The next song I'm going to play is called Yin, which just means eyes closed in the darkness. In the lyrics of this song, they talk about being Trapped Inside the Shadow, which from what I've looked through, a lot of their songs have this sort of theme of being followed by shadows and being trapped. And this song in particular also talks about being on the edge of the world and just wanting to escape, which is, in my opinion, classic when it comes to Decca Joins lyrics. Kind of this feeling of not belonging, being trapped, and wanting to get out to somewhere new. So anyway, here's the song, Hope you like it. we're back. So just a quick follow up on what I was saying before, Joins took advantage of the uninterrupted time that the pandemic gave them to put together an EP called Three Songs. And it just goes to show that even though a lot of their musical elements usually depend on creating this performance in front of a live audience, they were still able to collaborate in this more challenging environment to create something that their fans could enjoy. The next song I'm going to play is called Yu Shi, which means bathroom. There is not really that much mention of bathroom in the lyrics, to be honest, but there is this classic line that I think relates to anyone that's gone through any sort of heartbreak about when you finally forget about the person, they somehow still come back into your dreams. So for any of you out there who have ever struggled getting over an ex, this one's for you. Bathroom by Decca Joins. Alright, so you just finished listening to "Yushi" or Bathroom, by Decca Joins. The next song I'm going to play is called Ho. You heard the beginning of this song at the beginning of this episode, but now you get to hear the full thing. The lyrics talk about being alone, on the road of life, walking, feeling like nobody cares about you, and then suddenly it switches to English, which is pretty uncommon in songs by Decca Joins. Anyway, if you can understand what I'm saying right now, then you'll be able to understand what they're saying in English during the song. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious why they choose to say this part in English, which is just leave me alone. It's better off. I'm on my own. You know, I tried my best to hide. I just can't be like what you like. So, yeah, they're not known for having the most upbeat attitude in their lyrics. But uh, sometimes being upbeat is not the kind of attitude that people can relate to all the time. So anyway, here's Sanchu the Shaho. Sanchu is just kind of like strolling, going on a walk. And yeah, it's about being on the walk of life. All right, that was the song San Chu De I just wanted to remark on the fact that learning more about Decca Joins really made me think more about the effect that the pandemic has had on bands across the world. You know, not being able to hold concerts for two years, that's a long time to be away from your fans. I'm really hoping that big concerts will be back again someday soon, that we can all attend these safely without worrying. But I also hope that in some way something good can come out of the pandemic, which is that bands like Joyens they were able to use this time where they didn't have the same distractions of going on tour to just be able to focus on their own music, recording, producing it. And that once big concerts and festivals are back again, that all these artists will have a whole new collection of songs just waiting to share with us. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Behind the Beats. I'm going to fade out with another song by Decca Joins that's pretty long, so you're definitely not going to get to hear the whole thing. But if you like it, you can definitely check it out later. This name of the song is 多完美的一天. Thanks for tuning in with me to this second part of Decca Joins. See you next week for another episode of Behind the Beats.
0: 漂亮的海浪,
3: Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app, RTI2GO. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI2GO. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune in to 6100 kHz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.